Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the History Hit Warfare podcast. I'm your host, James Rogers. And in this episode, we have the award-winning, best-selling novelist, Sergei Lebedev. Now, Sergei has written a new novel called Untraceable, where he takes on Putin power and poisons by revealing the hidden history of Soviet chemical and poisonous weapons development. Sergei has been to all the archives, travelled to the furthest reaches of the former Soviet Union, and as a result, he reveals a hidden history that ties together interwar collaboration, Second World War developments, Cold War killings, and those infamous Novichok attacks in Salisbury in England in 2018. It truly is a masterpiece, a thriller that is dripping in poison. And this episode reveals political warnings, but also warnings to scientists and us as citizens about how these weapons, these poisons, are being used in the pursuit of state power. Hi, Sergey. Thank you so much for coming on the Warfare podcast. How are you doing today? It's a super sunny day in Switzerland, plus 22. I've been in the mountains. I'm always walking when I'm writing. And because I'm writing, I'm walking. So this is pretty good. I mean, lockdown doesn't sound too bad for you. How's it going over there in Switzerland? I don't know, because I'm visiting only the mountains, actually. Hermit life, I would say. The ideal life for a writer is a hermit life. I like it. Okay, well, the focus of your new novel, which you wrote as a hermit, takes place across Russia and Germany, so not a million miles away from where you are today. But I want to start with one specific location, an inspiration in the book, and that's a small town in Russia that has unknowingly had a massive impact on the world. Here, of course, I'm talking about the town of Shikani, 600 miles south of Moscow. Why should our listeners know about Shikani? Because this secret military town, which is not as secret as it was in the Soviet times, actually is the birthplace of the Soviet chemical warfare program. And it's the place with a very ambiguous and interesting history. Because Soviets in the 20s, after the civil war, after the revolution, wasn't very professional in the chemical warfare. 
Of course, the leading, we could say, experts were the Germans who first invented the thing and used it in 1915 near Ipa. So the Soviets and the German forged a secret treaty about the military collaboration. It happened during the middle 20s because Germany was under the restrictions of the Versailles Treaty and Germany established a tank school in the Soviet Union which was the cradle for a lot of the future tank commanders who fought with the Soviet Union. Germany had a fighter pilot school in Lipetsk and most interesting, Germany had a secret chemical warfare facility in Chihani. It was established in 1927 as a joint venture, as a Soviet-German project. Of course, it was very strange friendship, <laughs> the friendship of the bitter enemies. Of course, the Soviets were interested to steal knowledge and technologies and not to give the Germans the opportunity to develop something. Of course, the Germans were interested to develop what they wanted and not to give Soviets any piece of their technology. But still, the very place was established. It was shut down as a joint venture in 1933. When Hitler came to power, he commanded to withdraw the German specialists from the Soviet Union. And until this moment, until 1933, it was purely the Soviet project purely the Soviet place. But the very origin of it is in between of these two totalitarian regimes of the 20th century. So, when we speak about Novichok agent, which was developed, of course, later on after several stages of research and so on and so on, we speak about the essence or an agent or a substance with very interesting pedigree, I would say. Because, as we know, Novichok was used in UK in Salisbury. Salisbury is neighboring with the Portendown, with the English secret chemical warfare laboratory, which was established in 1916, if I'm correct, as a response to the German threat of the chemical war. And some of those Germans who were in odds with the specialists from Portendown later went to the Soviet Union. So it's all the big circles of history. But I would say the great problems, the great problems of ethics of science are still the same. Wow, that's fascinating. So if we haven't heard of Shikani, we've certainly heard of Novichok, as you say. We know about the infamous attacks in Salisbury on Sergei Skripal and his daughter and all those that were accidentally caught up in the use of that poison agent. And you're saying that if we look back through the turbulent history of the Cold War, the Second World War, and into the interwar period, we can see that it all starts with this Soviet-German cooperation, Weimar Germany, it must be said, which is fascinating, all the way back in the 1920s and 30s. Now, does this continue then, or does it restart under Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact? As far as I'm informed, the collaboration in this modus was never restarted. After the World War II, 
after the 1945. Of course, Soviet Union, as well as the other victors, captured some of the German scientists. I would say they captured a variety of scientists, the blueprints, technologies and so on. Those who were specialists in the rocket science, uh, chemistry, and for long period they worked and served in the Soviet Union. But this cannot be called collaboration. No, that's fair enough. But you're right. Every victorious power took its fair share of German super scientists to uh, help them win the Cold War at this point. It was Operation Paperclip in the United States, and they had a massive impact on things like the space race, for example, giving America the edge during that Cold War period and designing ever more impressive missile technologies. And what you're saying is for the Soviet Union, one of the ways in which they harnessed these German scientists was to push their chemical and poisonous weapons programs forwards. So is it at this point during the Cold War then that poison becomes a weapon of choice for the Soviet Union? I would say yes, because if we will talk about, let's say, hot phase of the Stalin's terror, there was definitely no need for poison. The whole scheme, the whole mechanism was very simple. You need a gun, you need a typewriter, you need a few soldiers, and you need an accountant to do a lot of paperwork. And of course, the people to dig their graves. Nothing more. Of course, the terror themselves was secret. It wasn't announced. All the orders, all the directives were secret. But the procedure was simple, brutal, murderous, and effective in this way. But later, definitely after the end of the World War II, when the Soviet Union annexed a lot of the new territories or reclaimed the territories which were annexed before, like the Baltic states, the security organs of the Soviet Union, they faced what was, in their terms, the new operational environment. Because these territories wasn't pacified in a way as it happened with the territories of the Soviet Union during the 20s and 30s. In these territories, the Catholic Church was very strong. The nationalist movement were very strong. So it was something different. And in this environment, it wasn't sometimes so easy to use the brutal force, especially when it came to the leaders self-proclaimed leaders or well-known leaders of this resistance or at least resistance sorts. In this very moment, it was the phase one for use of the poison as a weapon of choice by the Enkevede assassins. It's well described in the memoirs of Pavel Sudoplatov, one of these, let's say, leading agents in the Stalin's service. And of course, later, when officially the physical death and political death were not equal anymore. Yes, when the socialist state was proclaimed as something which exists, and the unity of the socialist nation was proclaimed, which meant that there was no more enemies of the people. There was only anti-social elements present. It was impossible to use the same scope or the same methods of repressions. So, all the variety of the clandestine 
techniques were employed and of course the poisons were employed as well. We don't know much about it because of course the archives are still closed. We know that Alexander Solzhenitsyn was poisoned. We know that Vladimir Vainovich, the other famous writer, was poisoned. We know a lot of strange, semi-strange cases which were not proven because it wasn't possible to test yourself in the laboratory. Yeah, it's another argument for the poison as well. You, you cannot prove these things. And of course, in the Soviet Union, outside the Soviet Union, it was clear that it was used. We know more about the cases outside of the Soviet Union because once upon a time, the Bogdan Stashinsky, the agent who was employed by the state security to kill the leaders of the Ukrainian, Ukrainian national resistance, he fled to the West and he revealed the whole scheme. And, of course, the case of Georgi Markov, which happened in UK directly, in London, and this case was proven. But I think that it's just the top of the iceberg and beneath they have a lot of unwritten and unknown stories. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, Tristan, you've got 50 seconds. Go. Right, so Dan's given me a few seconds to sell the Ancients podcast. What is the Ancients, I hear you say? Well, it's like Dan's show, except just ancient history we've got the groundbreaking new archaeological discoveries this seems to be the oldest known dated depiction of the animal world as far as we can tell anywhere in the world we've got the big names it's one of these great things pompeii it's kind of forever rising from the dead and from destruction we've got the big topics the man destroys seven legions in a day no one in history has done that subscribe to the ancients from history hit wherever you get your podcast from 
Oh, and Russell Crowe, if you're listening, we would love to have you on The Ancients. Spread the word, people. Spread the word. So is it this history, then, that has inspired you to write your new thrilling novel, or is it some of the most and more contemporary events as well? My starting point was the Salzburg poisoning, because for some period I was thinking to write the novel about modern Russia, not about the past of Russia, not about the Soviet stuff, but what happens now. And I was waiting for this sort of, I would say, signal, which tells you, okay, this is your story. Because as a writer, you can take whatever you want, but maybe it wouldn't be your material, your story, your mission. And with this Shikhani recognition, yeah, the story is that before the debutant, I wrote the novel, which is called Goose Fritz. It's a novel about the Russian-Germany war, Germany and Russia, I'm myself of German origin, and this origin was the most kept secret during the Soviet times, because it was enough to be accused of being spy, enough to be shot, about, enough to be executed. So I wrote this novel, and I paid a lot of attention to the story of their collaboration. And this why I knew about Shekhanek, because for, I would say for majority of Russians, even those who are informed about the history, this name told nothing. So with this magic sound, I understood, okay, maybe it's time to think about this topic. But not from the point of view of the assassins, because it would have been an obvious choice, but from the point of view of the scientists. Because in my childhood, I had a figure of interest, I would say, this person was the friend of the family or even a distant, distant relative, distant in this degree when the relativeness it became, becomes relative. And he was the object of my fascination because in the Soviet times, he was absolutely non-Soviet person. His flat, which was quite big and filled with books, music, paintings, all non-Soviet. He was a secret man who was able to live in the Soviet Union like the Soviet Union doesn't exist. And this enigma was my fascination. I was, okay, in the childish love with him. I was thinking to be somebody who can repeat this way of living. But nobody actually was able to explain what this person is doing in his life. He's a scientist or not scientist or just intelligence person. Who knows? Who knows? He was welcoming, charming, and that it was enough. And only in the middle of the 90s, I got an information that actually this non-Soviet person was the general major of the Soviet army and one of the leading experts in the biological warfare. And so is this who your main character in this new book, Untraceable, is kind of based on? This Professor Kalitin? Of course, he's not a direct prototype, but my fascination with the ability of the person to invent the most dangerous things in the world, to be an extra loyal servant of evil, and in the same time to be, you know, 
welcoming, as I told you, charming and non-Soviet and non-loyal. This double life, I mean, it was very usual for the Soviets to live the double life, but this is double life in its extreme, in its absolute extreme. Yeah, and in this sense, yes, I used him as a, as a question, I would say, how it is possible and what this loyalty is based on. Actually, I must say that I also used another source. It is the book which is called Challenge. It was written by Vilmir Zayanov, one of the chemists who actually invented Novichok. But in the late 80s, he transformed himself. He understood actually what they were doing. And he became the first Soviet and later Russian whistleblower. He was the person who tried to inform the Western powers that despite the fact that Russia signed an agreement to stop the development program, actually the program is running on. He was placed in the notoriously Fortover prison and he was forced to leave Russia. And he later wrote his memoirs. And these memoirs provide quite a unique insight, let's say the kitchen of Novichok yes. makers. And I was fascinated, actually, with this very idea that they were really a little bit like playing in alchemistry. They were trying to invent untraceable substance. And here we come really to the issue of the morality, how it is realized in our world. As a child, I was crazy about Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I read all the stories, I knew them perfectly well. And this hero, the very idea of justice is embodied. Nothing can be hidden. Ordinary people can be misled, they cannot possess the proper view, but still, somewhere in the world, one thorn, one detail, one piece will tell you that the crime took place. And the idea of the untraceable poison hits, actually, the very base of justice and morality. It tries to undermine the idea that crime always leaves the trace. And in this moment, in this point, and on this crossroad, is the main drama of the novel. And it always leaves a mark and a trace on the soul as well, perhaps, with that moral element there. It reminded me, actually, when I was going through your novel, of the even further back history of those who invented things like chemical gas and pesticides, like Fritz Haber and his wife Clara Imrowa. Now, he, of course, was recruited into the German military during the First World War, and he's the pioneer behind weaponizing this technology. But it's his wife, Clara, who takes against this, isn't it? And she ends up writing a letter which I find fascinating about how she says that he has turned against the very essence and meaning of science to better humanity. And she takes his military pistol and shoots herself in the heart because she so detests what he's done with their research, which was designed to better humanity. And in your novel, I think you can kind of see some of the traces of this. Did you draw on their story or people like it who have looked at what they've done and thought, wow, I really wish that I hadn't invented that? Yeah, actually, Clara 
is, I would say, the hidden hero of the story. My flat in Berlin actually is not far away from Haber Villa. And while writing, I visited the spot three or four times. It's closed now, I mean, it's private, but still you can see the yard, you can see the building, you can see all the scene of what had happened in May 1915. And Clara is mentioned only once in the novel. But actually, she is the angel of this text. Because when people try to speculate, and they try to explain you, but what was the options? What was the choice? How can you avoid this? You are the citizen of your country, you are a loyal citizen of your country, you are a patriot of your country, and so on and so on. There is an extreme option. There is an extreme option not to be involved, to try to stop this at any cost. And quite interesting, I found that this, I would say, high moral spirit is shared by the heroes of Solzhenitsyn's novel in the first circle. Yeah, because in the Russian literature, or maybe not in the Russian literature, not only in the Russian literature, it's the unique piece, it's about the scientists, about the scientists in the special Soviet prison, which is called Sharashka. The place where you work, you invent what the state security needs, and you are cutting your term in a prison. The better you work, you should, the shorter you stay. And Solzhenitsyn's description, and he himself as a mathematician, spent some time in this Marfino place, where they invented the techniques secret recording of the telephones. And he puts the heroes to the same test. You can take this challenge, you can invent what they need, you will be released, you will see your wife, or, or you can refuse and you will go to the real camp. Not this Sharashka visits, food rations, and so on and so on. And the first circle of the Dantesque hell is the Sharashka, and the hero chooses to go deeper into the second, third, and fourth, and fifth, and so on, but not to betray himself and not to betray science. Wow, well, that's a, uh, that's a moral and a lesson to take away from your book, I think. And it doesn't escape anyone's attention here that novels and literature have long been a platform for sending a political message in Russia. And is your political message here a wake-up call, a warning to scientists just to think about exactly what their research can do and what their inventions can do and how they can be twisted and turned and used to further the interests of the nation-state in the most heinous ways? Or is it also a political commentary about the way in which Russia is turning as well? Because one of the things that we can't fail to notice is the fact that under Putin, Russia has turned to a new age of assassinations, especially those with poisons. Okay, I would say there is a matryoshka. As always in the Russian stuff, it's matryoshka of intentions, messages, and so on. Of course, the first message is international, because we clearly can see that it's not only Russia as acting in the same way. I'm not going to whitewash Russia. 
I would like to pinpoint that it's a sort of dictator's club, which had coined itself in the late years. North Korea, Saudi Arabia, Russia, they all act in the same manner, with the open brutality and with absolute willingness to kill. And without any remorse, later they are trying to deny this. Openly, clearly, everything is proved, everything was visible, all the flights, tickets, faces, CCTV cameras, and they will stay and say, no, our hands are clear. And I would say that it's more poisonous than the poisons themselves. Because it clearly undermines the public morale and again the variety of justice. The second message would be to Russia and my fellow countrymen, we are not just witnessing this. We are at least partly responsible. It's not the Soviet times, it's not the Stalin's times, it's our times. The Chechen wars which produced this type of the ruthless state security officers and Putin himself. The Chechen wars which are not now in the agenda of the political opposition. The responsibility for these wars are not in the agenda. Uh, we once will be asked about these murders. And it's better to try to start to think now what our answer would be. Well, Sergei, thank you so much. I think that that is a poignant point to finish on. I truly do recommend our listeners to pick up your thriller that is dripped in poison that presents a story that not only reveals a hidden and untold past, but a really pertinent present. Can you tell everyone where they can buy Untraceable? I think in the shop of my UK publisher, the head of those. In every good bookstore, that's what we like to hear. Thank you so much, Sergey. You're always welcome on the Warfare Podcast. Thank you. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And before you go, remember, as a Warfare listener, you get a special discount at History Hit. Subscribers get access to blissfully, uninterrupted, ad-free podcasts and thousands of hours of history documentaries. You've got everything from the American Revolution to my own documentaries like Traces of War, Weapons of War and 24 Hours in Normandy, where I follow in the footsteps of the Green Howards on D-Day from their beach landings to being awarded the Victoria Cross and all the way through their first day where they made it seven miles inland 
further than any other British or American unit. So head over to historyhit.com forward slash subscribe or follow the link in the show notes and use the code WARFARE to get 50% off your next three months. That's the code WARFARE to get 50% off. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free episodes within the app. So give it a go. I know you're gonna love it.